0: I only hope that we never lose sight of one
1: thing, that it was all started by a mouse. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is the Beyond the Mouse podcast, the podcast for all things Disney, for NPR, Illinois Community Voices, and for the Front Row Network. I'm your host, Craig. I'm joined today by my co-host, Miss Vanessa Ferguson.
2: Bonjour. And
1: with us, Mr. Brett Rutherford. How are you, sir? <laughs> Good, thanks.
0: I'm like going, I've been practicing my Italian, but it's nowhere near as good as Vanessa's.
2: Practice Molto so. Bueno all oh, right let, let,
1: let's just put this let let us put this out there to begin with i do i cannot do any kind of italian accent um i am very scots irish and i will be staying in my little zoom corner over here and leaving all the italian to either of you whoever would like to do this because today we are talking all things luca which disney gave to us as a gift on disney plus the 24th installment of the 24th Pixar film dropped on Disney plus much like they did with the release of soul. You didn't need premium access for this because we're all premium in Pixar's eyes. We all got to experience Luca. So what we're going to do is break this movie down. And before we do, we're going to give you our non-spoiler review of Luca in case you haven't had a chance to see it yet. And then if you'd like, uh, after that, we'll break down the movie and spoil it all for you. So make sure to check it out on Disney plus, before you get to that point of this episode. But I think, Vanessa, we can go to you first. What was your first uh, impression or non-spoiler review of Luca?
2: Well, it is a charming film about identity and silencing your bullies external and internal and it is set in what appears to be a beautiful Italian Riviera town and it's it's wonderful um it's it's not my absolute favorite Pixar film but I did enjoy this uh it's filled with moments that may or may not remind you of your own childhood And it's a delightful summer film for families. I could see this one as one where you might put up your outdoor movie screen and have the family of all ages come over and watch this delightful Pixar Italian film.
1: You know, I completely agree. And it is, to me, it's a breath of fresh air because sometimes. uh, And I like it that Pixar brings us there that takes moments uh, in childhood or in adulthood and kind of makes craft stories that are uh, uniquely told around a particular theme. And this was a considerably lighter fare for Pixar, at least in my mind. And it was nice because it was such a, a great summer film. It looks like summer in the Italian Riviera. It looks so beautiful there. I just want to live there Um, everything about it was so pretty and I frankly there's there's not much I can say against this film and I'll say that in the spoiler section as well because it is just a charming film it is I I, there's there's not a ton of depth there uh, as far as uh, character development or as far as story or theme but what you do get is just something that's refreshing and I think that you know, we, we keep saying this, but after the year plus we've all had, we can use refreshing every now and then as well. It doesn't need to be earth shattering movies every time that we go and turn on Disney plus or go and start to return to the theater. But Brett, what's your non-spoiler first impressions, however you want to call it, uh, <laughs> of Luca?
0: Well, I didn't know what to expect, and honestly, I really didn't have high expectations, but because, you know, when you hear direct to Disney Plus for Pixar, you kind of go, oh, hmm, but I think we've also come to expect such high art or, you know, Pixar punch you in the gut emotional films that this was such a relief that they can just relax and produce a lower the bar film that is so beautiful and successful in its own way. Bravo. Which was my first attempt at speaking Italian for this time around. How about that?
1: (laughs) Again, I'm not going to even attempt it. So so well done, Mr. Rutherford. Let's talk about that for just a minute, because there were some reports when this first came out. And of course, um, these were reports in reputable sources, the Hollywood Reporter, Variety, those types of reports. Journalists were covering this as it was unfolding and there were some pixar employees that were upset by the move by disney to put this on disney plus for free. Can we try to figure out like I know we've talked about this a couple of times, but briefly, why Soul, Why Pixar? Why choose Pixar to give to people for free on Disney Plus as opposed to your Walt Disney pictures that we've had like Mulan and Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, we just had Cruella. We're gonna have Black Widow and Jungle Cruise. But Soul, I could understand because it was a, an Oscar contender. It was a holiday film. It, it came out on Christmas day. Um, more so than I can, Luca. You want to get yourself in the mind of those executives, Vanessa? Why would you think this film, why put it out there for free?
2: I don't know. I I don't think it is the strongest Pixar film in terms of originality and likability. It, it's, it's charming. It's delightful. But would I pay $30 for it? I mean, I would, I mean, y'all <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah, we, I mean, would, we would right? Hello, be, you know, but I'd you be know, grouchy
2: but... about it. Yeah. I could see baby. I, I could see how other people and other families may not want to spend that much. And I, and also I'm going to assume that this is uh, a more strategic, marketing financial strategy as opposed to the film has a really great message about being authentic to yourself and and not being afraid to express your identity and what you like that's important for everyone to take home with them but I don't think Disney is thinking in terms of what's morally needed for the world so I'm going to assume it's something having to do with how much money they thought they could make off of making it a premium. And, and I think there still is some negative feedback about making some of these films on Disney plus $30 people, I think do get frustrated by the fact that they've already paid a subscription. And now that you're asking me to pay $30 on top of it, we all get it. We do it. We hand our money over. I still think Cruella was super worth it, but perhaps they're trying to negotiate with with that kind of feedback and, and have a different outcome um, as far as consumer um, reaction to, to the pricing.
1: Yeah. Brett, any thoughts? Well,
0: I do I have thoughts? I have thoughts. Well, I think Pixar should just get over themselves really i mean honestly i mean you know it's i can you imagine i mean yes yes they're working for this on this film for years and it goes to disney plus well it's not just that's not a disgraceful sort of thing considering the times and everything and everything that vanessa said about the market i mean you're getting first run films um on on hbo max from also you know from all of those studios you know without paying extra for that so you know, I think it's both economic and it's it's not a reflection on the art or the quality of this film, I don't think. Maybe in the smallest way, but only... I didn't think of it that way. I think Pixar needs to get over themselves. And, you know, this was... this. I, you know, they set themselves up for, you know, this extremely high bar and high art and everything I said previously. And I'm just like going... It's a wonder. It's a wonderful, delightful film, and it has a home, and it's and it's going to be more accessible on Disney Plus. So you know, let that happen too. So get over
2: yourselves. Yeah, I, I, can... I I'm leery of anyone taking anything in this pandemic. We're still in a pandemic, and I'm not sure um, if some would consider that we are. But it's still there's still things happening where people are asked to wear masks and. And people are still hesitant, some people, not everyone, but some are hesitant to go into movie theaters. And um, it's, it's hard to take anything really in this pandemic personally, because there's so many different factors as to why a creative show or movie or, or any creative product um, wasn't the, the way it's released and how it's attended. So mm-hmm. yeah, I kind I kind of see where Brett's coming from there too. It's just, Chill, Pixar. Chill. We appreciate you. We love you. We We love you. It's a gorgeous
1: film. Oh my gosh. Anyway, that was no spoilers. We don't know, you know, we don't know how um much that was I, I could see though the the thought being that this creative team, again, um watching sort of the credits and the ends of the credits. Uh, because there was a post credit scene in this movie. I don't know if you two caught it, but it was very cute. Uh, But at the end, it said it was made in our flip-flops all across the Bay Area because, again, this was a pandemic film where they were doing it mostly from their home. So again, I can can see why maybe some uh, members of the Pixar creative team took it personally that this decision was made. However, I don't know if that speaks to the whole of the creative team or not or just reports of of a few. But before we get into our spoilers, uh, again, we went to our Beyond the Mouse. Podcast pals group and ask them sort of for their non spoilers thoughts on the film. So I want to uh, talk about a couple of those that we had given to us. Jessica thought that her family thought it was very cute and very direct to Disney Plus sort of Pixar movie, um, meaning that it was like the Disney sequels were back in the day. It was a good story and sweet, but didn't have the emotional punch that you would expect from Pixar. Matthew Kroll, who is the host of Imagineer Podcast, so thanks for the support, Matthew. Uh, Also, he had a great big announcement today that he's going to be Writing for WDW magazine, so congratulations, Matthew. Um, yeah. yeah, very cool. So check that out for sure. But Matthew said, "Subtle, layered, and creative." I personally put it somewhere in my top middle pack for Pixar. It was so well done. um Matthew put my wife and I really liked it. Unpopular opinion, but I liked it more than Soul.
2: Okay. I don't,
1: I don't know. Yeah. I you know I yeah I, I'm yeah I I don't know. It's sneaking I mean, up on kill me.
2: Kill a man in to- the first very first few minutes of soul so i can understand how that that already was better that nobody died right off the bat that I, I will
1: say i will say that uh, i am 100 percent going to watch luca more than i will watch soul because this is a film that my son will watch so that's yeah. automatically means that i will watch it more i don't know what that means in terms of which one i like more uh laura put i thought it was cute but definitely not my favorite pixar film our good friend john sicari put love it so different Stephanie put,
2: cute coming Italian. of
1: age story. What's that?
2: John's a ta- Panda's Italian. Of course, he's going to like it. He's totally biased.
1: Absolutely. 100%. Uh, Stephanie put that it was a cute coming of age story with sweet cartoony vibes. Um, Amber put, didn't scream Pixar to me. It was cute, but don't get me wrong, it was mixing, missing that Pixar feel. Definitely not my favorite Pixar film. And I'm a huge fan of Pixar. Um, and then David put, We loved it. And uh, the fact that his daughter is a swimmer really helped him love it even that much more. Aww. I saved John's comment for last because I did want to dive into this just a little bit. He said, It's so good. Lots of gay themes without anything specifically um, being said, but there was a lot of relatable moments. And this is also something that is driving the narrative of this film online is that uh, a lot in the uh, LGBTQ. Plus, community are saying that this is a film that speaks to them because it can be seen uh, very much as a coming of age and and even possibly a coming out type story. Uh, and I, I thought that that is a, a very unique way to view a very unique prism to view this film. Um, obviously, as someone that. Uh, isn't in that particular lifestyle. I'm not going to sit here and say that this film represents uh, to be a gay Pixar film or not. But I think it's cool that that community can find that kind of connection. And in this kind of story, this Italian town that's very conservative in its ideas uh, about these sea monsters coming in. And then I can't spoil the ending for you in the non-spoiler section. In the non-spoiler, hello. But things tend to be Come out all right. So, but anyway, so I thought that, that was John's, a non-spoiler. Um, okay, what that things okay. turn out to be all right.
2: It's the uh, uh, okay. typical Pixar ending. Everything.
1: Okay, fine, fine. You're both. Yes, yes, you're right. Do we yes. think that? Do we think that the boys are going to die or something at the end of this? Although it is Pixar, no,
2: so it's
0: possible. i like, <laughs>
2: Okay,
0: we better get into the. Well, I did. I did. You know, thinking about John's point i'm like going i well. i did see more than a couple of call me by my name influences or nods it seemed but i think all films speak to our own inner monologues and our experiences so i think that was great you know so mm-hmm. it, it spoke to him on levels that i thought that was great so yeah vanessa so
2: i i did see john's comment and i watched it first i believe before i saw his comment and then after i saw his comment and and watching it on a second time i definitely can see those uh Hot points or those moments in the movie that that, that could, the film could be viewed that way and I actually I, I think it might have come out that the, the creators of the film said it, that it was not their intent but regardless of whether it is or whether it's not I kind of like it because it has a deeper meaning for, uh, for me watching it as an adult it makes it go from just a coming of age story to something with a little bit deeper meaning I liked it it kind of reminds me in, in that way of fried green tomatoes where it's not expressly said that the, the two women characters are in a romantic relationship, but they are in a very loving relationship, whether you want to call it friendship or a romantic one. So, you know, I, I kind of love that. And I'm glad that there is a film that young people can, can see themselves in.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of what we've talked about all along uh, in this creative process. And that's what's so great about art is once you give your art to the world, the world then can... Have feelings on that art and take it in many directions uh, that they choose with it as well. And it's just cool that people can identify with this film and see themselves a bit in this film for sure. Any last second non spoilers? If you have not seen Luca on Disney Plus, I got to encourage you to go out there and see it. I mean, it's an hour and a half and it's just going to make you feel better. Honestly, it is. That
2: gives the hour and a half alone is what gives uh, it craig stamp of <laughs> that is yes, 100 accurate
1: i saw that runtime with the credits 100 and th- uh, hour 36 i'm in sign me up i'll watch this over and over again uh but no now it's time to get into the spoilers and so if you haven't seen luca please we do encourage you to go do that because right now we're gonna start talking about spoilers and apparently according to brett everyone dies in this film what, what do you mean <laughs> it takes a dark turn so no, funny, funny. Of course, uh, end up okay, and of course, you find out that there are uh, these sea monsters, quote-unquote sea monsters, living among the village, which I think is kind of a, a cool way that they did that at the end of the film, that you you get to see the fact that there's these people living amongst the village all along, and they didn't know it uh, under their own noses. So I, I thought that that was kind of a cool uh, way to continue that story and and how they ended up ending that but that's the ending of the film so i guess if you don't want to listen to the rest of this podcast right guys <laughs> now you know is, is, is sea monster a pc
0: term is there is that is it i i called them i don't sea know that folk.
1: they i say they i don't call know them they, sea folk
2: that is kind of folk like, i don't like
1: even see folk. That. i don't even know if i could say that properly um i they are only identified in the film as sea monsters i don't think that they okay. like self-identify as like a as like a, a sea folk yeah, uh, I got to be careful how I say that. I guess i that's what I'm saying. I I don't trust myself to say that. So I think um, maybe sea creatures. We are always much more punchy when we record I, these. I called
2: them later. boy maids. <laughs> It's it's this one is Coco <laughs> mermaid. There are it's just combine the movie Coco and the movie Little Mermaid, and it's it's the same film. Yeah, or so, so add, so <laughs>
1: add water. Just add water. I would say the first half an hour uh, and this gets into more of my spoilery first impressions, the first half an hour of the film, I truly was almost going to check out of this movie because I was like, this is so much like the little mermaid. This is an exact replica. Well, (laughs) Uh, there there were
0: thingamabobs. She, he has plenty, you know,
1: Right, so. exactly. I mean, down to like, there, everything about it. It was like I have seen this film before. It needs to go in a different direction, and then it started to. And I basically once he met Alberto, uh, then it started to go off into a different direction and became more of a film that I was into and really enjoying. But at the beginning. I was not very impressed with this and it really turned itself around. I thought it ended much stronger than it started. Do you uh, all see it that way, Vanessa?
2: Yeah, I, I. so part of the reason I had to watch it a couple of times, and this has to do with my schedule this week is that I was having trouble focusing. And so I was missing subtle things uh, in the film and I was, I was catching major plot points. But um, once I did go back and really started to pay attention, yeah, I I could see that, Greg, where it, it does start to pick up a little bit once they start building their Vespa, their scooter, which is a very exciting part. A little um, there's a a, a a little bit of a carelessness with safety in this film as your safety officer of the podcast. <laughs> but other than that, uh yeah, I thought once he meets Alberto, it, it really does start to get pretty it starts to get pretty exciting.
1: Yes. Brett, what are your thoughts on now that we're kind of in this more spoilery area about sure. the story as a whole? Well, I, I, it did take me a while to get into it, um, too.
0: Um, but once in, I mean, I really enjoyed it. i actually surprisingly so, really. So, you know, I, I, I was there and I'm like going, this is, this is, what is, okay, what's the word? Yeah, Vanessa, I'm going to use one of your words. Delightful. It's Delightful. <laughs> You know, oh, what a good word. I like was gonna say you liked it. Oh, uh, <laughs> see, I I took a spin of that. You know, I said it's delightful. Well, I'm like going again, I get going to the whole Pixar and the is this, you know, Disney plus worthy and and you know, kind of an, on a diminishing scale of that sort of thing. I'm like going, it's just uh it's it's fine. Just you know, let it be what it is. It's just okay. Yeah. Okay. Go well, ahead.
2: Now that we've heard the three of us say that it was a little bit hard for us to focus, a little bit hard for us to get into, do you think this is because we're getting old? Because, and, and I'm especially interested in what Craig- uh, Who are thinking. you
0: talking? Yeah, I'm you know, like going, who are you talking listen, to
2: they're people? talking, to these kids in this movie, they're doing all this fun kid stuff, throwing themselves off of buildings and doing ramp stuff, which is just so unsafe. And I found myself relating to the mom so much. I don't have children, but when- Do so you have a dog, so- I have yeah. a dog. And when I saw uh, her kind of watching and, and seeing that he's running off and, he, and Alberto, I did not trust at the beginning of this movie. I thought this kid well. is no good. He is not good enough for our Luca. <laughs> he's lying to him. Is He is misleading him. He's not telling him the truth because his father is nowhere around. Where is he? And I just found myself relating to the mom. I'm like, yeah, send him to the deep dark ocean. He doesn't need to be out on land. This, I mean, this, I just, I, Greg, you have a child. Did you feel this way at all or is it just me?
1: See, I'm such a sucker for coming of age film and then also those summer classic films. So you said very much like Little Mermaid and Coco. And I can see obviously the clear parallel lines there I would say uh throw in there a bit of sandlot as well because this truly is to me um it's Alberto taking Luca under his wing and then they're having these summer adventures and and they're doing all this so it was those moments of the movie that actually drew me back in it was not the uh moments at the beginning I could care less about the fact that they were sea creatures I guess um you know I was just like I, I loved seeing the Italian countryside and um Someone posted online, I saw a comment uh, that they really need to re up the uh, very bland looking, by comparison, Epcot uh, Italy, Italy Pavilion, because this is just a gorgeous town uh, and it just looks absolutely breathtaking. Um, and I loved all of that. I I, I guess it's my a bit of wanderlust as well, because uh, I'm someone that really enjoys seeing different environments and, and I love to travel, haven't been able to do so. So it was those moments and those elements of the film that really drew me back in after the last, uh, the first half an hour kind of lost me a bit.
2: I like that you say you love to travel, and there's no doubt in my mind that given the chance, you will just go to Epcot and and consider each of those countries as traveling the world. So I I'm <laughs> sure that'll be your first stop when once you're able to travel. You, where else can
1: you Where else can you hit like 12 countries at, at one time, right? I get uh, it. <laughs> But let's go in and talk, you know, normally we would go in and list off all the big name Hollywood stars that they put into their film. And that might also be something to why this wasn't done on premiere access is because it, it didn't have necessarily someone that was grounding it to uh, it doesn't have a Dwayne, the rock Johnson, like jungle cruise. It doesn't have Emma stone like Cruella does. Um, And It's got these kids that do such a wonderful job with their voice acting. I thought that their inflections were incredible. Uh, We do have a couple of famous parents. We have Maya Rudolph and we have Jim Gaffigan, but uh, let's talk a little bit about the three kids and their characters more so even than their acting, I guess, because I don't want to necessarily be critical of children, Uh, but also because I thought that they did a wonderful job. And and it's hard to review this film in a traditional way that we normally would because it's difficult to it all just worked together well it all just blended well it was a smooth movie it was nothing that um, in my mind nothing that was absolutely exceptional that you're going to be winning awards for but it also just made me feel good and that's okay mm-hmm. so anyway I, uh, Jacob Tremblay is our Luca and then uh, Jack Dylan Grazer is our Alberto and Emma Berman is our Julia Julia um, so Take us any direction you want to talk about the characters or the actors or whatever you'd like to, Brett.
0: Well, I mean, when, uh, when Julia
1: became, you
0: know, came on the scene, that's when we get the idea of, The uh, underdog. Yeah, the underdog. And, you know, how she just, you know, brings that in. And we've all been underdogs, you know, at some point, probably. And so that was, you know, I mean, I think that was a great way to bring her story in with their story. And it was just, um, just so very, just so very charming and I just enjoyed the three of them. I have actually, I have thoughts about, you know, the casting, but I'm, you know, and the vocal casting, but I'll wait a little bit on that. But since we're talking about those three characters, it was just fun, you know, and how, you know, how, you know, the best friend becomes the, I don't trust you anymore. And then there's the betrayal, which actually threw me, I was rather surprised by the whole betrayal part there. But anyway, but that was, you know, That was a little bit later in the film. But if we're just talking about the three of them, they were a wonderful trio and it was fun to go on an adventure with them.
1: Vanessa, your thoughts on our three main characters?
2: Well, I don't really think there's any need to critique their acting in this film. I thought they were very good. Like you said, their inflections. You know, I think sometimes with with any actors, it can feel, emotions can feel read from a script And this didn't come across as just like they were reading lines that they were acting. So I, I thought even despite their age, which some might assume that they are not as advanced, I thought it was quite good and believable. And I really enjoyed the three of them. I especially enjoyed Luca. I thought he was so cute. He reminded me his voice of the young man who played in the movie Coco. And I, 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 I adore that, uh, character in Coco I thought I think that's so wonderful I especially loved in this movie Julia because she is that quirky red-headed girl uh, that was my best friend growing up was the quirky red-headed girl and you know it, it it gives kids who are young and quirky someone to relate to in a movie I mean she has her sweaty armpits and we're seeing that more and more like, getting frozen with her when she wakes up and she's got this this bedhead and she's uh, Anna is very goofy and then here we go again we have Julia who is told that she's too much by her mom and I'm like oh, I've been told I'm too much by my mom now my mom might be right but that's beside the point the point is is that we have it was relatable
0: uh-huh, yeah, yeah. that
2: we can relate to so I find her so adorable and I'm really glad that they had this character that's not a love interest by any means she's just a pal and it is interesting that alberto gets jealous from her friendship with luca in the in the movie which hey i think we've all been there where we tell our friends growing up hey i feel left out you're hanging Mm -hmm. out with so and so more than me you know that that's definitely a memory i have so i very much enjoyed their acting i very much enjoyed the characters that they created
1: Memory, that happened last week for me. I'm like, what, Brett and Vanessa oh, getting yeah. together? What is going on? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I forgot don't...
2: that we do that to you constantly. No, wow, you do that to constantly. I'm
1: like, I'm the Julia, the relationship for sure. No, I liked that um, it's also an underdog story because when she goes to pay her entry fee, uh, they are just expecting, they're like, why are you competing in this again? And um, just that competition aspect as well. Uh, they all do a a wonderful job of portraying these uh, independent characters that are stronger together than they are uh, separately. And I think that that's what makes a great summer, uh, again, coming of age type story is those elements. I, I guess my question here, because after listening to the two of you talk about this, it keeps rolling up in my mind that we keep all saying that we really enjoyed this film um, and that it it wasn't necessarily as, uh, and I might be putting words in your mouth It might not you are be impactful. Um, but have we just is it because we've seen this film before? like several hundred times? Is that why? Maybe um, we're I've having this reaction because like there's so many elements of this movie that um, just seem, like story beats that we had seen before in other films that you can kind of cut and paste. And again, that doesn't, I, I guess that's me uh, critiquing the writing of the film and saying that it didn't do anything revolutionary, but does, does every film need to do something revolutionary?
2: We've no. said this before, yeah, and the answer is <laughs> no. Sometimes I think films no. serve, serve different purposes, and and this one, from from my point of view serves the purpose of telling a story about identity and being true to yourself and it may not be absolutely totally original or the absolutely most br- groundbreaking Pixar film there is maybe it's not even at the top of our list but I think it serves a purpose and it's enjoyable I'm probably not going to watch this one over and over again like I did Finding Nemo but I still enjoyed it I I didn't walk away from it going oh i just wasted my time i very much enjoyed it and i and if that's its purpose that's its purpose
0: oh well okay i i just yeah, i guess i have little expect i have i don't bring a lot of expectations to film you know i'm like going it is what it is you know i will when it's done if it is a masterpiece i'll go oh my gosh i've never seen that before but with this film, I'm like going there. Yes, there were elements. I mean, there were gadgets and gizmos aplenty there at the beginning. I mean, there there was definitely you know there was definitely a "Call Me by My Name" uh, feel there at, at a few times. But I'm like going, there are no original ideas. So what? How they had they? You know, they one from column A and one from column B. I'm like going, it's a creative process. So I am totally fine with the 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 end product cuz it was sweet and it was very it was its own it was its own beautiful thing i'm just you know so i'm like going i'm i'm not a, a you know when i'm a harsh critic, critic it's when they get their china wrong so <laughs> you know <laughs> that's a reference to the princess diaries from a couple of weeks ago you know that will tick me off if you get your china patterns wrong but for this one nope they they got it right there, in my in my yeah, estimation China,
2: this movie oddly enough so y- you should start well, your own web china critic oh but they'll think china you the mean china the, so maybe don't do that yes uh, no, place no, that no, no no no
1: Play settings, play settings. Yeah, no, no. no you I. Should, you should call our friend Jeff Curdy, and you can write a book with him about Disney China errors. Disney uh,
0: China and, ooh, errors.
1: Yeah, a, you could do a whole book. But no, I, I. I'm beating this. I'm beating this to a, a, a dead, bloody sea creature. I understand that, but uh, going back to Jessica's comment about this being um, a direct to Disney Plus type film, I. I kind of see oh, sh- coming from there. I saw your reaction when I said that when I said that earlier Brett like your little zoom box kind of imploded a little bit. <laughs>
0: but- like going, "Oh, come on kids, let's play nice." You know, I mean, well, everything is a competition and I don't think everything is. Yeah. I mean, I deal- I mean, yes, it is. It is a competition because it's about money and it's about but I'm like going it's about art too. And therefore just treat it as it is. It it presents itself. It presents itself. You can enjoy it. You can take it away. You can think it's the best film ever, or you can think that it, you know, is not, but I'm like going again, you know,
1: what a beautiful transition point for me, Brett, because you talk about the beauty of art. And in my mind, that is still what sets apart Pixar as an animation studio. There is something about, the production design and the visuals that pixar brings and i understand that they are under the same auspices they are reporting to the same studio head uh, right across the street there at walt disney animation but the folks at pixar it is something about the way that they handle colors and lighting that is just remarkable and again this movie put me in that setting watching it from parts of it from my phone at night you know like completely detached from how you're supposed to be watching a movie and experiencing this. And I could still feel that because of how beautiful this film was. So, um, that's something that I think Pixar still runs laps around all the other animation studios. My, my son was watching trolls today, and it just doesn't have the same impact. It doesn't have the same visual aesthetic and feel that you get from a Pixar film. Um, Vanessa, I'm going to have to
0: question your your parenting skills there because that clearly clearly this child needs to be on a steady diet of Disney and Pixar and you know other um, other uh, parts of the Disney empire. But okay, I'm not a parent, so that's okay. Uh, well, that's I will say a...
1: that uh, I will say that he found Trolls World Tour on Hulu which was is a Disney owned company. Oh, okay. Right? So... Oh there. Oh well, you got me there. So Disney's allowing him to do it, I guess, is what i Oh, I'm gosh. That way they I'm going to have to tie trust give lawsuits. Get me, me, me on the phone <laughs> with
0: that management team. Hello.
1: Yeah. But Van- Vanessa, your thoughts on um, overall production design, setting, uh, visual effects, anything you want to go with the art styling of Luca?
2: I found the styling of the characters very interesting. They They are somewhat cartoonish, but it doesn't have that you know, with cartoons, that kind of flat feel it's, it's, it's very 3d and it's, it was just interesting to see. I wonder if that is to somewhat reflect what the sea monsters are doing. If, if everybody doesn't look too normal, then it all makes sense. Um, as far as the design of the characters, it's just, just interesting to me, but the colors, yes, are so beautiful. And especially these, these like montage moments that keep coming in throughout the film where he's kind of hallucinating these beautiful moments it's very Coco-esque uh when he's flying amongst the highlighter color fishes in the sky I'm like oh it's just like when Miguel goes to the uh kind of afterlife in this beautiful highlighter color city it's you're right the colors are just absolutely beautiful and Pixar I mean no one really does it better than Pixar
1: Completely agree, Brett. Your uh, thoughts on the visual styling? You know, you are you are a digital media guy. You are <laughs> our creative artist yeah. here. Well, what what is it that? Uh, how did Luca make you feel? Talk to me. Let's let's get on simply, the couch and and do some. <laughs> simply visual art put, therapy.
0: simply put, Pixar creates gloriously beautiful films every single
1: time. Yeah, they really do. It's it's just uh, it's incredible. in a nutshell. There, it's incredible the um, the advancement that they make. And I, I come back to this often when we talk Pixar films. Um, but a long time ago, uh, and it was not under Pete Doctor as the creative director. It might have been in the Lasseter years. Uh, watching a documentary, and it might have actually been the Pixar story, which directed by our our good friend uh, Leslie Iwerks. But they mentioned that they they talk about the. <laughs> They talk about focusing on something new each film. And I don't know that they still do this, if that's the case, but in Monsters Inc, it was Sully's fur. They came up with a whole new technology for managing how his individual fur would, uh, would move. And then in Cocoa, we keep talking about how beautiful that is. They focused on lighting in Cocoa. Um, They focused on getting the water right, not only in Finding Nemo, but also in Finding Dory. And so they focus on these different aspects. And what that does is it builds the engine that then can be used for the next film. And so you can just keep improving on this technology while also focusing on a different area of uh, artistry. And it just makes this juggernaut. I mean, Pixar is going into its 35th year, if you can believe that. And uh, they just continue to bring these beautifully stunning films to us and it's just so great that we are able to experience those and even more so on Disney plus because now we get more of the Pixar shorts and things that you might have been able to see you might have been able to get a DVD collection of but they are available at your uh, discretion right there on Disney plus as well you know I I think we've talked a lot about sort of the story and the characters and the production, I think I'm ready really to go into uh, anything that we didn't necessarily care for in this film, unless there's anybody that has anything else they'd like to say about story beats or aspects or anything like that. Brett, you have a comment? yeah going back to characters for just a moment so i was so so surprised
0: to see the voice cast because i didn't really i came into this film not knowing a lot about it and intentionally because i would i didn't want to i thought i was going to be underwhelmed by this film um underwhelmed not underwater but it, it all worked out anyway but i was so surprised i had no idea that there were so many known actors in the cast and it was a delightful surprise because sometimes some very well-known actor voices can be a distraction. I mean, you know, it, like, for example, I mean, you can go like, hey, isn't that Chris Pratt, Tom Holland and Julia Louis-Dreyfus, you know, <laughs> but not <laughs> this time, you know, it, they, they were very well-known actors, but their voices suited the characters and story so well that I didn't even recognize that they're famous. I mean, that's oh, a delight.
2: That's interesting because I right off the bat recognized... Jim Gaffigan and- I
1: didn't know he was the no I didn't one. at he all was, he was the one that that I recognized uh you could have given me you could have given me a chance at a million dollars I would have never guessed Maya Rudolph was the mom no nope. so- and Sasha Baron Cohen
2: yeah that you know? one surprised me I'm just like going oh my gosh my yeah you
0: know I, didn't I, I was so surprised at my like, I was taken aback I'm like going how funny is that you know, and but that wasn't that. A, I mean, that was a reference to um to Finding Nemo, isn't it? His fish is the fish that is in I think Finding so. Nemo.
2: It's the one from yeah. the deep, yeah. But I have to say, can we give props to Maya Rudolph for her for her dolphin impression? I mean,
1: <laughs> that was pretty great.
2: It's much better than my dolphin impression. And yes, I will try <laughs> this for you now. Okay, here we go. Oh no! Thank you. That was <laughs> That's my that's my fin by the that way.
1: That was great. Yeah. That was, that and I was, have a
2: visual here that you can't hear on the podcast, yeah. but it, I'm, oh, I'm but putting my whole stunning. body into this dolphin. It's
1: stunning. Apart. It's stunning. It was yeah. really something yeah. else. The magic all, of audio. You all truly missed it. I I got to tell you. um, Yeah. I completely agree with you there, Brett. You know, there's uh, many times where I was like, there really are no like big names in this. And then you go yeah. to list and you're like, Oh my goodness. There, there really were. And exactly maybe of that, you know, voice acting is so interesting now because, um, you know, even when we, and I, God, I swear, I I don't come into these assuming that I'm just going to name drop a bunch of people that we've talked to, but it happens sometimes, guys. I'm sorry, but we, we (laughs) talked to Jason Marsden, who is a voice actor, right? And he was saying that, pre-pandemic, they would still want you to drive into a studio to be able to record these things. And now I'm guessing that most of this voice cast was able to record it just like we are right now with someone just in their ear. And so maybe you are able to get those uh, larger names for smaller bit parts in that you give them the ease and the accessibility of being able to record essentially anywhere, wherever they are in the world. And, and then yeah. they can do that. We they All those actors are going to have that equipment available at their disposal. So- um, just hey, something you want to be in a Pixar film? Why, yes, thank you. You know, I which by the microphone. way, we all have our microphones. Um, we are waiting. Uh, <laughs>
2: Ready. did, did so, you not just hear my dolphin audition yeah. Finding um, Nemo three is
1: James Smith I think I should mention that uh, Pete doctor uh you know because you are the creative executive at Pixar now uh, just know that inside out changed me as a person and I, I loved it so much um, there are people that are on this zoom call that uh, didn't necessarily see it as the visionary icon that it was um, and so maybe when doling out parts, uh, you you give the larger parts to uh, maybe Vanessa and I, because we obviously clearly saw your creative vision uh, in Inside oh Out. Oh my gosh, bring, that uh, sound that you glass. hear is the gigantic sucking sound of, <laughs> you know,
0: anyway, a vacuum <laughs> or something. Anyway, oh, anyway, it's oh, a well. sucking sound anyway. I'm sucking up that. sound.
2: Let's pivot. Yes.
0: Okay, let's pivot. All right, pivot, right.
2: You brought this up. Um, I am noticing a bit of a trend in these Pixar movies. So you mentioned Inside Out, which is all about um, getting to know your feelings and how they influence you. And then we had Soul, which was a, a very beautiful look into life and afterlife and gratitude, living every day with appreciation and gratitude. And then we have this film that explores... Um, accepting of who you are and silencing the negative talk in your brain. Someone at Pixar is doing their therapy work and they are Uh taking it straight to the drawing board and to the storylines. And I think they are sharing very important messages. I don't call mine Bruno, but sometimes I'll say, stop it, Janet or Phyllis or you know, Cheryl, whatever name I can come up with the moment at the moment when I'm thinking something negative, like, oh, I can't do that. Mine's not Bruno, but that is a real thing where you give it a name and you tell it to hush. And that is, I think, such an important thing to teach not only kids but adults. I think that's such a great message. And whoever is incorporating incorporating these therapeutic means of dealing with life into these movies at Pixar as Brett would say bravo I wish we bravo. could to you more about it so bravo mm-hmm.
1: I think bravo. that that really is uh, a lot of the influence of Pete Doctor um having taken over the reins uh from John Lasseter uh and you know this this film being the first film directed by Enrico Casarosa um and what's cool about that, I encourage our fans to go back and watch on Disney Plus the Inside Pixar episode with Dan Scanlon because he talks about the creation of Onward and how that is such a personal journey for him and his family and really those brothers in Onward, it's almost a reflection of his own family. Um, And so it'd be cool to get kind of an episode like that with this director to see where the influences came from uh, because I think that's cool too that these directors allowed to take some of these deeply personal stories and be able to express them uh, artistically like this. So now we're going to get back on track. I'm so sorry that I I took us on a U-turn a little bit there talking about Inside Out and pitching myself to Pete Doctor. But um, let's (laughs) let's talk uh, briefly if there's anything that we uh, don't necessarily care for in this film. Um, I can go ahead and start us there because I don't know. uh, I I may speak for most of us on the show today that um, it there there's it's hard to critique this film because there wasn't enough meat on the bones to have to critique it. It was just a good feeling, heartwarming story that uh, didn't dive in too deep for me. Yes, there's a there's a pun for you, Brett.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I enjoy uh, that.
1: But you know, it's still in the end. It still caught me. Uh, placed a oh in gosh, it caught me. But okay. It, that I was don't have a much forced, to say but, you uh, know. in the negative about this film. Uh, Brett, your thoughts? Anything that you didn't quite <laughs> stick right with, you stick in your crawl, as it were? Oh,
0: gosh. Okay, well, um, I, I was just glad that they showed Uncle Hugo eating fish, because uh, it, it made the other fish catching and fish eating scenes easier to watch. Because fish like creatures, that's what I was calling them. Fish like creatures or you know, sea folk or whatever. Eating fish is a little disturbing. But then it's really a food chain thing, right? Because we eat hamburgers. I don't know if that's really a point of things that didn't work or not. But that was something I was very glad to see. You know, I'm like going, I was a little concerned when they were, you know, I'm like going, Anyway. I'm sorry that was a you little were bit glad to tangent. see a
1: representation of the food chain
0: <laughs> that's you <what> know? <laughs> yeah that's kind of it yeah I was just glad because I'm like going I'm like because I'm like going there he's showing him how to where to fish I'm like going isn't that a little oh no no uncle Hugo ate a fish so we've established that in you know the language of the film so it's okay to eat fish so I was happy about that I know it's just me go ahead
2: i was curious about that too brett i didn't i was like oh he's selling out the fish family he's just gonna you know betray his his people but no i you're right that makes sense um thank you for that vote of confidence yes. my internet's a little unstable so hopefully this will come through uh but for things that i didn't like in this movie uh i do worry about kids watching this and staring at the sun and jumping <laughs> off of buildings as a way, as a means of showing you, that you care about your friends. That's not the best. Um, about uh, fibbing. There's a lot of fibbing that happens from our friend Alberto in this movie. And he asks him to hold a ramp. And don't move that ramp until I ride my bicycle over the top of it. This just seems like there's some very dangerous things being suggested in this film. And so if you're a parent, I would suggest whispering into your child's ear, don't do that. Don't uh, do (laughs) not stare at the sun, please.
1: Okay. Vanessa's critique is is that kids are being kids in this film. (laughs) (laughs)
2: but but this but see i would if i saw this movie i would want to reenact it Um, and it's it's not telling you to not look at the sun is all i'm saying just don't don't stare at the sun
1: well fortunately um our listeners will spread the word to not look into the sun and also that fish (laughs) eat other fish and it's okay
0: yeah that's what we've learned
1: if we've learned nothing else from this podcast uh those are the things we've learned so well
0: isn't that the most
1: important thing really don't look at the
0: sun and you know anyway and fish can eat fish and fish eat fish
1: So let's let's start to wrap this thing up uh any final thoughts that you have on luca uh vanessa i'll give it right back to you first
2: it's a delightful movie that I think is very good for your whole family, especially essential that the parents watch it with their children for the reasons that I previously listed, but I think it's enjoyable for all it's bright colors so there's your color therapy, I, I would suggest watching it, it's a good summer film.
1: I think I'll watch this film quite often. I think that my son is going to really enjoy it. He hasn't watched it quite yet because it takes him a moment to want to get into the theatrical experience. But uh, I think he'll watch it over and over again. I think it is one of those films that I could come back to uh, during the summer. I do not think I could watch this in the middle of the winter. I feel like I would, uh, it would it would just not work for me in the same way. But Brett, your final thoughts on Luca?
0: Well, I really liked... I like the normalization inclusive, and inclusiveness themes of Luca, because everyone, as I said before, everyone has felt like an outsider at some point, but this was a wonderful way to tell that story in an enlightened and heartfelt way. And, and who doesn't want a trip to Italy? I, I'm ready to go. Andiamo! And that is my last attempt at speaking Italian this time around. I love it.
1: I absolutely love it. And I love all of you for listening to us. We're so happy that you've joined us today. And this has been on the uh, Front Row Network full feed. So you can also find us on the Beyond the Mouse feed in case you're listening over there. Uh, So you can search for us by finding Beyond the Mouse on any podcast platform that you'd like. You can also follow along with us on social media. You know, we mentioned our Facebook group Beyond the Mouse Podcast Pals earlier because they really do help contribute to the show and they'll continue to do so uh, in even more and more of a manner as we move forward here. But join us uh, over there on that Facebook group. Also follow our regular Facebook page Beyond the Mouse Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram Beyond the Mouse Pod and also on Twitter beyond mouse as well Uh, we have such great things coming up for you we're going to spend a lot of the summer in the parks which i think is just going to be lovely so we are uh looking for forward to hearing a lot of different trip reports uh we have one coming up actually next week by our friend morgan kaplan and she is going to talk all about going to disney recently with her small children and and how that went um we're also inviting lou and donna Hare. um from Guilty Pleasures and the network to talk about their recent trip as well. We're just gonna spend a lot of the summer living vicariously through others and through their different trips. And then also hopefully reaching out even more to that Facebook group and to talking to all of you and interacting with you because we love doing that as well. Before we leave, friends, any final thoughts, Brett?
0: Um, uh, you know, I say this every time, I can't wait to see it again. I love these films.
1: Vanessa.
2: I just want some pasta. That's all I want. <laughs> okay, just so pasta. here's
1: the deal. Um, you know, you have you have said that you uh, you're you're bringing the Italian to this podcast. I can never figure out how to do the pasta without a spoon. Is it like is that like um, blasphemy that I use a spoon and a fork? So I use the spoon and then I put the spoon oh in. heavens the pasta and I twist and then okay. I have like the pasta on the fork and they were just doing it without. You look you look either appalled or confused. I don't know.
2: Okay. Well, I think you do you. Is the pasta getting into your mouth and are you enjoying it? Then yes, you it right.
0: You could use your hands too. This is another thing. You know, but, etiquette yeah. aside, yeah. I'm like going. Well, you know, Mono, etiquette aside, you do it.
2: That might have been a mix of Spanish, and you. Italian. I don't know, but I made it work, okay. and that's how you make pasta work. You just make pasta work. Don't.
0: I don't. I don't eat spaghetti. Too much hassle. Mm,
2: well, I there's know. self, Sorry. There's farfalle. There's penne. There's lasagna. There's all kinds of things lasagna. out there for you, Brett. Don't limit yourself. Okay.
0: Your oh, I, I, that that will be my takeaway. Do not limit myself as far as my pasta yes. preferences. When it comes
2: okay. to carbohydrates, I'm all in. <laughs> you should be too
1: okay and on that note for Beyond the Mouse I am Craig I'm Vanessa and I'm Brett and we will see you real soon in the front row so you learned this episode do not stare into the sun fish eat other fish and there's no wrong way to eat pasta those are hey, three takeaways that works. works
0: oh my gosh see
1: they learned so much
2: we should pitch this to like PBS or something. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>